Let's all stand. Um, this was getting ready the night Jesus reinstituted this into the New Testament was Passover even during the Seder time, the Seder meal. Communion was going on in the Old Testament. A lot of people think baptism and communion started in the New Testament. That's not true. The Jews practiced communion and baptism. Remember, Abraham actually practiced it early on with Melchizedek. These were always emblems and types and shadows of, of the work that Jesus Christ would do when He came. Do you realize on this moment when He reinstituted communion and helped those Jewish guys realize that it, the whole thing was about Him? What an eye-opener that must have been for them that night. He was getting ready to face one of the most horrific deaths a man had ever faced or ever will face. In fact, I submit to you that no normal man could have endured the beating he took with that whip. Most theologians believe that he was beaten so badly that his organs were exposed. You think about that. He would have lost so much blood on that block and then laying that old rugged cross on his back and heading up to Calvary. No normal man, and when I say normal man, I say a man born of Adam and Eve. See, Jesus was born of a virgin, and the seed of God was placed in her before she knew a man. I don't call that old-fashioned. I call that truth. And because of that, he had no sin, and he never sinned. And the Bible says that death reigns because of sin. Well, Jesus had no sin. So death could not take him. He had to, as the Bible says, give up the ghost. He said, no man takes my life, I lay it down. Why? Because death had no legal claim on him. He had no sin. So he couldn't have died no matter how much they beat him on that block. You understand that? Now we would have, but not him because he had no sin. When death looked at him, remember that? When they came to Jesus on the cross, they said, he's already gone because he gave up his own spirit. He said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Death couldn't just come and nab him. He had to release his spirit because he had no sin. So here we are today, 2,000 or so years, give or take a few years later, remembering that day. Remembering that the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, we're all children of God, but He's the only begotten Son of God, took our place on that cross. And if you think about this, Barabbas was the guy they let go that day. Barabbas was the worst guy they had in prison, basically. He was like the Charles Manson or somebody that you know is a notorious uh, criminal. They let him go. And I think that was fitting because Jesus was telling us by taking Barabbas' place, who was the worst man in their culture at that time, he was saying, I don't care how much you've done, how far down you are, or how much evil you've been involved in, I'm here to take your place. That's the good news of the gospel, right? Good news with a reward. So on that night when Jesus reinstituted communion to the New Testament believers, they were eating the Seder meal and Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. This is the same kind of bread He would have used that night. It's matzah. We break matzah here in the church, unleavened bread, and put it in these cups for you. This is the same kind of bread Jesus would have broken that night because they remembered the deliverance from bondage and they left with unleavened bread out of Egypt. Lord, we lift this bread to you recognizing that it symbolizes the body of your only begotten Son. And Jesus, we thank you for laying your life down. We ask you to help us to remember the price that was paid for us to have eternal life. We eat this bread 
and that awareness in Jesus' name. This cup represents the blood that he poured out. He didn't spill it. It wasn't an accident. He purposefully poured his life out. He, he gave up the ghost. Then as they took the cup and gave thanks, he gave them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink the fruit of the vine from now on until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Paul said, and Peter both, that the blood of bulls and goats could not do what this blood that Jesus shed can do. So this fruit of the vine is remembering the blood that took away our sins. And we're thankful for that. Amen. Drink the cup in remembrance of that. Those of you that are here to uh, be baptized, you can go ahead and make your way out into the foyer. I'll uh, be there with you in just a second. It says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in, the right in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me and deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense, uh, defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. We're beautiful to God when we praise Him. Not because we fixed ourselves up. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make melody to Him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Somebody say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the word of the Lord is right. Amen. And His work is done in truth. Amen. He loves righteousness and justice. Amen. And the earth is full of the goodness of God. Can you say amen to that? Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give Him some praise. He's worthy. Jesus tells us he wept over Jerusalem because he said uh, you missed your day of visitation that's one of the most tragic verses in the Bible it's, it's, it's like the verse about Samson where it said the spirit of the Lord left him and he didn't even know it. that's far more concerning to me a verse like that than anything I read in the book of Revelation for the spirit to depart from somebody and them not to know it or for to miss our day of visitation. I feel in my spirit prophetically to tell you that we need to prepare for a visitation. It comes through prayer primarily. Positioning yourself. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Or as they say where I'm from, he clam it. They climbed a tree just so he could get in position. She got down on her hands and knees and eat dirt just to touch his garment, just to get in that position. What are you willing to do to get in position? Are you willing to lay down your pride, give up some time, miss their day of visitation? We don't want to miss our day of visitation. We're going to get into prayer. We're headed that way. But prayer is a private thing, right? Jesus said, when you do enter into your closet, and what you do in secret will show out in the open. It's a private thing. 
That's where we do most of our praying. I love to pray with people, but most of my praying is done in private because that's what the Bible teaches us to do. So we need to start being prayers. Amen? I'm going to give you some opportunities to start moving in that direction this morning. Turn around and welcome somebody to church this morning. Children's church is dismissed to the next building. The nursery is open. The rest of you may be seated. Amen. Children's church is dismissed. Then the rest of you may be seated. Nursery is open as well. Uh, we're going to look at the screen or the television, whatever you can see best. I think everybody can see the screen with this first verse, Romans 10 and 17. <clears throat> this is familiar to all of us, right? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. All right. Let me say something to you. In the Old Testament, they did not have cassette tapes. Heck, they didn't even have eight tracks. Now, I know it seems like it's been that long since we've seen an eight track. I remember eight tracks, right? You had to put the eight track in. When it started dragging, you had to fold a piece of cardboard and stick under it. So, right? Yeah, everybody knows what I'm. Here come, once you got it just right, then you could hear the BGs, right? Staying alive how we stayed alive then you then that wasn't so so most of the time you know a lot of times they would have one copy of some of God's word that got passed around even in the early church and uh, they would listen to the priests or someone read it and that's how they got their instruction from God's word so it wasn't like they had it, it, it will be a shame for these last few generations to have the Bible and so many opportunities to use it for us to neglect it. It would be a pure shame. Because we're not in that position, right? You can stay overnight in a hotel. Most likely you'll find a Gideon Bible in there. You can get an app on your phone. You can have one of these things that we try to put out here that's got the Bible on it. Listen to it. You can get a Bible Anywhere, you can buy a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. We give Bibles away. If you can't find a Bible or can't afford a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. We don't want anybody to do without God's Word. It's everywhere. And so faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So if you want your faith to grow, it's not going to grow because somebody tells you a good story. It's not going to grow because you went to a service and you got chicken skin. And I go to services sometimes and get chicken skin. But that's not how your faith grows. Your faith don't grow from hearing my testimony. And my faith don't grow from hearing your testimony. My faith grows from the Word of God. There's no substitute for that. I like a good story. I like a good testimony. But faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. That's why we try to concentrate everything we do here on the Word of God, from our praise, our worship, our Sunday schools, our, whatever we do, we want it to focus on the Word of God. It is the foundation for everything. Everything. It's the foundation for your marriage, how to raise your children, anything you're going to do, business deals, how to conduct yourself. You and I don't even know how to pray correctly unless we get in God's Word. He teaches us all of that. It all starts with God's Word. Now, I'm going to show you something that I think is kind of interesting. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and let's look at verses 4 through 7. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, I'm going to give you something that will change your life. I'm telling you, it will change your life completely. And you will lay down a lot of battles if you'll do what I'm going to instruct you to do this morning. Let's, uh, let's look at chapter 6 and let's look at verse 4. <clears throat> now he's given some instruction here to his people. And here's what he says. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's that triune vessel. You have a, a spirit, a soul, or a mind, will, and emotion that's seated in your soul, and you have a body. You should love God with everything. Paul actually addresses that even in the New Testament. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. 
Listen to what he says. I'm going to tell you something, Dad or Grandpa or Grandma or, grand, or Mom. The greatest thing you were tasked to do was to train your children in the Word of God. I don't care if you sent them to Harvard. It's not as important as training them in the Word of God. And it will not benefit them as much as training them in the Word of God. In fact, Harvard might destroy them. A, a school that was founded on God now that don't even look at God. So here we are. Your greatest task, Mom and Dad, was to train your children in God's Word. That was our greatest task. That's the greatest thing we can do for them. It's the best thing we can do for them. Now, I'm probably talking to people, maybe you got saved later in life, or maybe you were caught up doing your own thing for a season. Well, here's the good news. The Bible says God will restore everything the canker worms eat. So you pray for those opportunities and watch God start moving in that. Then he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. He's going to give them four times to do it. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Four times a day. He said, now, we know that when we're distracted, we're not as easily tempted by Satan, are we? When you're on task, when you're on the job or you're doing things throughout the day, <clears throat> temptation is not as big of a force to you. But it's in those moments when we're sitting around being idle before we go to bed, when we wake up, how many have noticed that that's how the devil works? Now I'm going to read you something because I couldn't say it any better than this gentleman. It says, The times our minds are most open to satanic assault are when we're sitting around our houses. Now he's going to be real with us, okay? Channel surfing web surfing, on our way somewhere in our car looking at billboards and lying, noticing the person in the car next to us, daydreaming, lying in bed as we wake up and go to our sleep, worrying about our problems, fantasizing about our sinful desires. Let me guess, you and I just got nailed, right? Those are the moments that God instructed us to meditate on His Word. We're going to look at that in a minute. God knew thousands of years ago before these were, there were televisions, computers, cars, billboards, or anything else that we were most vulnerable four times a day. And he said, four times I want you to do this. He also knew those same four times were the best opportunity for us to meditate on Scripture as we learn it ourselves and teach it to our children. Needless to say, most people today don't live as God directed in Deuteronomy. Because most churches don't even read Deuteronomy. That is why Satan has so much success in his attacks upon our minds. For hours each day, most of us sit in our homes and cars and lie in our beds with our minds vacant and vulnerable. Meditating on God's Word day and night means we are committed to occupying our minds with the Word of God during four reflective times of our day mentioned in Deuteronomy 6. This doesn't mean we are legalistic and can't watch television or rent a movie or surf the web or listen to music. It just means that God's Word comes before any of those things and that when we encounter a sinful thought through these avenues or anything else, we take it captive and replace it with Scripture that we have readily waiting in our mind. Now, I'm going to show you something today that probably nobody knew. It was fresh to me this week as the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about this. Let's go to Psalm chapter 1. In Psalm chapter 1, I want to show you something that's going on here. In Psalm chapter 1, he just told us there in Deuteronomy, he said, I want you to get in the Word when you're sitting around your houses, when you're on your way somewhere, when you're rising in the morning and right before you go to bed. Now, before modern technology, a mariner would use his compass. He would get up in the morning with his maps and all that in his compass. He would chart his course for that day. And then I'm sure he would look at things along the way. But at the end of the day, he would get his compass back out and make sure that he'd stayed on course. And that's a good uh, thing for all of us as Christians to do as well. I like what Spurgeon said. He said, the reason we need to be refilled with the Spirit is because we leak. We do leak. And you'll find that Peter and them encountered the Spirit being filled in them more than once in the book of Acts. Because we leak. And that's common for us because we're trapped 
in a godless culture. We live in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. He says, blessed is the man, and that word blessed means receiver of divine favor. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, right? Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I want to talk about this word meditate. This guy here in Psalm 1, he's a guy who's built some boundaries up for himself. He set some guidelines. He's put those little things in the gutters at the bowling alley so that his ball won't get off the, the, the lane. That's what God does for all of us. He sets boundaries up for us because He loves us. Anything we love, we set boundaries up for, whether it's children or whatever. And, and we have some level of affection even for a pet, right? Not as much as our children, but we have some level of affection for a pet, and even we set boundaries up for that because we care about that, right? Well, why should God be any different? He set boundaries up for us because He loves us, right? And so He's going along with that here. He's hearing the instruction to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but His delight is in the law of the Lord, and he, in His law He meditates day and night. Now I want to show you this on my screen here. I wrote this on the screen. This is the Greek word, or excuse me, the Hebrew word for meditate. Haga. Everybody say haga. This is a word that translates meditate. And I'm going to show you the biggest meaning to that. I'm going to write that on here, and you'll probably be shocked. That's it. Talking to yourself. That's what that word means. Think about this. Let's think of a song you sing that you like, right? You're talking to yourself, right? You're meditating on that song, right? These people in the Old Testament didn't have one of these. What they need to do if they were going to hear God's word? Talk to themselves, Right? They got it from the priest or wherever they got it. And then what did they need to do? They needed, while they were sitting down, while they were on the way somewhere, before, when they got up in the morning, before they went in the bed, they needed to do what? Talk to themselves. They needed to meditate. on. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. When you're talking to yourself, and don't act like you don't do it, we know you do it. You're meditating on something, right? Watch people. Is anybody, watch them. Maybe it's somebody in your own family, right? Just, you come in and catch them, right? They're just, because something's occupying their thought process, whether it's a song or something they're concerned about or something they just want to think about, it's, and, and they're meditating on it. And we're really meditating on it when we're speaking it out. Faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing the Word of God. So what the Bible's trying to teach us to do is to talk to ourselves. Turn around and say, tell your neighbor, say, I'm not crazy. I've been doing Bible stuff and didn't know it, right? Now, it don't have to be a good thing. I mean, you can talk to yourself and be... Talking the wrong stuff, right? Uh, how many remember? I mean, we can really... And that, that works against our faith, right? Because when you're talking to yourself, you're meditating. It could be good or bad. It's like the guy... And I, I've not told this in a while, so bear with me. Some of you are going to remember it when I start talking about it. But just laugh anyway and make me feel good. <laughs> I'm getting older. It's all I know. So this guy has a flat tire. And he's, he looks ahead in the distance and there's a guy... With a house, there's a guy not far off in the house, and he's got a big, nice garage out from the house. And so the guy gets out of his car, and he says, I, I, I bet, he said, I'm going to go to that house because that guy's probably got a jack. And so he's on his way, and he said, you know, that guy's probably, he's got a big house and a big garage. He's probably got two jacks, but he probably won't let me use one of them. Now he's working himself up, right? He's meditating. Then he gets close, and he says, you know what? That guy's, that's a three- or four-car garage. He said, he's probably got three or four jacks, but he probably won't let me borrow one. 
there's never been a conversation about anything, right? He's meditating. He's working himself up for no reason. How many of you have worked yourself up for no reason? Yeah. And the devil makes it sound way worse than it is most of the time, right? That's how he works on us. And so he gets closer and closer, and he looks and sees how big the actual garage is. He said, this guy has probably got a jack factory in that garage, <laughs> but he probably won't let me use one of them. I mean, he's just built it up in his mind. And finally, he goes and knocks on the door, and before the guy can say anything, he says, I don't want your old jack anyway, and then walks off. That's how we are. But see, he meditated on all that, right? Getting up to that point. Now, just, I know it's a little bit comical, but just, if you would, for a moment, reflect on your own life. Right? I mean, a lot of times, that's how we're made up. We, we, and the news media really works us this way, to think the worst of something before we even get involved or see what's going on, right? And so we're meditating on those things. What God's challenging us to do is replace those kind of things with His Word. It works. I'm telling you, if you will meditate on God's Word, it will work. Those battles that you face, whether it's fear, doubt, unbelief, lust, greed, anger, unforgiveness, it'll start pushing them out. But you got to be committed to talking to yourself. All right? Now, we do have some advantages in our, in our day because we do have things like this that will speak the Word of God over us or a phone or whatever or a church or you can go on YouTube and our YouTube channel or, or some other preacher that sticks with the Word or whatever. Get a podcast. You can get the Word coming in you. You can meditate on it. And it works. I, 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 but I'm going to say it takes time. And you have to put some effort into it. I, we, we have got so microwaved I just, I'm making up some new technology here, we, or terminology. We've got so microwaved, and what I mean by that is we want everything in a minute or less. I, I saw in a Christian catalog a book that said how to spend quality time with God in 10 minutes or less. I wanted to backslide <laughs> and go whoop somebody for even coming up with a title like that. Because that's ridiculous. And, but we've got so drive-through oriented, right? And so microwave oriented, we want everything to be done in less than a minute. That's not how this works. My wife and I would not have a relationship if I showed up to the house once a month. It takes time to build a relationship, right? It's an investment that you make, right? If you want more out of God, then go get it! It's out there. God's not turning anybody away. If you're tired of the devil having an upper hand on you in this area or this area, then go to God, start meditating on His Word, and whip Him. Overcome Him. Because greater is He that is inside of you than he that's in the world. We have access to the greatest thing on earth. Do you realize this Word created the heavens? This word, the Bible said, he sent his word and healed them. His word made us. He spoke us into existence. The word was made flesh, dwelt among us, hung on a cross, took all of my sin so I wouldn't have to go to hell, and now I'm on my way to heaven. The word is the top of the line. In Psalm 138, he said, I've magnified my word above my name. Now, we know how important his name is because there's no other name whereby men might be saved. But when you make a statement like that, when you, as God, say to the world that my word, I've magnified it above my name, we better tap into that because that's going to stand forever. That's going to deliver us. It's going to save us. It's going to heal us. That's our way out. You want a way out? Quit waiting on somebody to come grab you by the hand and give you another word from God. You get out by getting in God's word and meditating on it and standing on it. And when the devil shows up, you've got something to fight with. In, in Timothy, he said, he talks about the engrafted word. The Greek word is enphutos there. And it means a deposited word. In other words, it's just like going to the uh, bank account, right? 
Now, I grew up with all those little stores in all the hollers, right? Most of them went out under over time because these bigger stores have bigger buying power, and you know how that's went. But when I, when I grew up, there were stores all through the holler, and I could ride from one to the other on my bicycle. Some of them, they were gathered out, outside playing marbles. Do any of y'all remember playing marbles? Did you have your tall? Remember what a tall was? Your best marble. On these stores sometimes, though, you'd go in there and there'd be a check taped on the pole of the store. Because Ronnie and Susie, no offense if anybody's in here named Ronnie and Susie, didn't have enough deposit in their account. So they wrote a bad check, right? They hadn't deposited enough in there. See, that's what's happening to a lot of Christians. You're not making enough deposits, and when the devil shows up, you don't have anything to fight with. We live this life daily. We get up. Paul said, I die daily. I get up. I get in God's Word. I meditate on His Word. That, this is a daily journey. And if God perhaps gives us day after day, whatever day He gives us, we need to make some deposits. We need to meditate. We need to be talking to ourselves about God's Word. Now, I just want you to monitor yourself this coming week. And see what things you meditate on with your mind or you maybe talk to yourself about as you're on your job or going to your job or getting up in the morning. Or what things are bothering you, what things are heavy on you. Because that's how the devil works, right? When we get up in the morning, he tries to lay stuff on us to hamper us. And when we go to bed at night, he definitely wants to interrupt our sleep. So there's a reason why God told us to do this these four times a day. Now, let's go on and read in Psalm 1 here. He says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. In verse 2, in and His law He meditates day and night. What we just talked to you about there. He shall be like a tree. Now listen to this guy. This guy who talks to himself, who meditates on God's law, when? Day and night. Now, I'm not saying, just like this guy who I read after here, he said, it's not wrong to do those things. It's just wrong to put them in front of God's Word. And you're going to give yourself trouble, and I, you and I are going to give ourselves trouble if we don't make time to talk to ourselves or to meditate on God's Word every day. We've got to make some time for that. Now listen what happens to this guy. Let me go back to verse 1. Blessed is the man, receiver of divine favor, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Let me tell you something. When I worked in the mines years ago, they had the mines was doing well, and they had big Christmas parties. And those Christmas parties, you know, half of them wound up blitzed at the end of the night. They asked me, if I would come and pray. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, should I go? And so what I did, I went, and I prayed over the food, and I prayed for the people. I ate dinner with them, and then I left because I knew how it was going to get, right? We see Jesus eating with sinners, we see him being a light to them. And I left the light because they noticed. And I was able to lead some of those miners over time to Christ. <clears throat> so we've got to stay focused on God no matter what kind of culture we live in. We're in the world, but not of the world. All right? <clears throat> and then he said, uh, this guy is receiver divine favor. Don't stand in the past sin nor sit in the seat of scorn. In other words, he's not living in their same life. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he talks to himself or meditates day and night. Now listen to the blessings he has. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Now how important is water? It's essential. You can't live without water, even in the natural. And it's true in the spiritual. We talk about spiritual water, living water, right? You and I need water. And we need spiritual water. And so this guy who lives like this, who's committed to talking to himself about God's Word, right? Who's committed to not 
running with the sinners, right? We can reach out to them, we can eat with them, but we don't run with them, right? Because Paul said, evil communications corrupt good manners. He shall be like a tree planted by the river's water that brings forth its fruit in its season, right? Some of us are missing our season because we're dilly-dallying about what's been said here. You keep running with the world some days and then you run, try to run with God's crowd the next day. Or you're not willing to talk to yourself. And now you think about this. You're not willing to take the time to meditate on God's Word. I, I wish I could make you do this. But that's not relationship. I'm telling you, it works. This is a game changer. If you will get in God's Word and meditate on it and talk to yourself about it, it will change your life. It will help you overcome battles. You'll put them behind you. But if you're not committing, I'm going to say this, this is going to come out hard. And I don't apologize for it. If you're not willing to do that, then you're stuck with your battles. you got to be willing to get in God's Word and let it saturate you, that's our power. That's our strength. Even when Jesus set somebody free, now listen to what He said. He said, if that guy stays empty, he's going to bring seven demons back and it's going, his latter end is going to be worse. You cannot stay empty. If you get saved, if you come to Christ, if you return from the prodigal, you've got to start filling yourself up with God's Word. That's a game changer. If you want to keep having all those battles constantly, then that's your prerogative. You can do that. But if you want a game changer, you need to learn how to meditate on God's Word. And he says, He shall be like a tree planted by the river's water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. How many of you want life like that? Now, in the New Testament, it's kind of a diff different saying, but he says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil in the book of James, and he will flee from you. How about a life where the devil's trying to get away from you instead of you trying to get away from him? That's the kind of life we can have if we walk with the Lord. And he says, Whatever he does will prosper. He didn't qualify that, did he? Just whatever he does. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the right. They won't be able to. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let me show you something about the righteous. The righteous, this is the Hebrew word, sadiq to sadiq is the Hebrew word for righteous there. And it means somebody who is to be, is a verb form, to be just, to be straight, to be sided with God in word and deed. Somebody who sides with God in word and deed. That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to always side with God. We're not supposed to side with the world. When somebody challenges the word of God, we got to say, uh, 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 uh. That ain't the way this works. We got to stand with God. We side with God in word and in deed. So if the world challenges or somebody in your family challenges what God said, that's when we draw the line. The Bible says we obey men, right? Until what? Until they ask us to go against God's word. Once they do that, then we have to take a stand with God. It may put us in jail. It may cost us our life. It'll certainly cost you a few friends along the way. When you say, you know what, I don't care if you live that lifestyle or not, the Bible says it's wrong. And you've got to stand there with it, right? That's, that's us. That's the righteous people, the people who are siding with God in word and deed. That's who we are. And this guy is a blessed man. And we've got that challenge now because the dividing lines are clear. Now, if you'll remember a couple of years ago, they, and all over, even in their own state, they painted graffiti, had places all over this country. None of them were arrested for painting graffiti. But the people who had wash away chalk in front of an abortion clinic, they got arrested. 
the lines are drawn. It's, it, you can stick out as a Christian now if you're going to be faithful. Now, I said this last Sunday. You can't wear camouflage and be a Christian. Now, I'm not talking about in the natural. I'm talking about spiritual, right? You can still go, go hunting, and if you're in the service, we appreciate that. You wear camouflage. I had a friend of mine who's a real mountain man. He said when camouflage come out to the public, he said, I was the happiest guy in the world. He said, I couldn't wait to get it. He said, I went and bought a whole closet full and said I couldn't find it the next morning. So, so, but as Christians, we cannot wear camouflage. We gotta, well, that don't mean we have to get in everybody's face. In fact, the Bible says you just stand for the truth, right? Shake the dust off your feet and move on. You either want it or you don't. People either want it or they don't. You don't have to stand there and argue with them. You just say, you know, and I've been in circles like that where I say, hey, you know, that's not what the Bible teaches. And so here's what the Bible says. And they say, well, I don't believe that. I say, well, that's good. You can do what you want to do. I, I, let me say this the best way I can say it. I care whether people go to heaven or not. I do. And I've got family that I, that's not ready, and I want them to go, and I'm working on them. But if you want to do your thing, I don't care in that sense, Right? I mean, I'm not going to make you serve God. Nobody's making me serve God. It's, there's no relationship if we have to force you into it. If you don't desire it, then there's no, no relationship there. And that's what's wrong with our culture. You can do your thing all day long. I just don't have to agree with it. And the same could be said of me. I can do my thing all day long. You don't have to agree with it. I'm not offended if somebody don't see things the way I do. Right? You can be wrong if you want to. I'm, I'm not offended by that. I'm going to try my best to stick with God's Word. And you all know that I'm very clear from this pulpit when I say this is what I think. I make it very clear. But we have got to stand with God's Word. It's, it's easy for us to do. Now, it's probably more costly now than it was before. You can get canceled, uh, whatever that means. You, you can get canceled from your job or whatever, right? The, I understand that. But hey... You ought to go read about the early church. Just because somebody don't like you or because it, you didn't get that job because you were a believer, you ought to go see what the early church went through. You ought to read about that. We, we, we don't have it near as bad as they had it. So he says this guy is going to be prosperous in everything he does, right? His fruit's going to come out and seeds. He's going to be planted by the water. That's good news. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. That's it. So if you want to be righteous, strive to do things God's way, side with God in His Word and in your actions. That's what we're called to do. We're called, and when we see that we're not, that's what repentance is for. Right? Here's the good news of God. If you come to a place you say, Oh man, I've been missing God over here. I've not been doing this or I've let that go. He's not making you go back and redo all that. He just says, repent and start doing it right today. That's, that's the good news of God. Now let's go to Psalm 37. In Psalm 37, this is the lot of the righteous and the wicked. <clears throat> and he gives us some wonderful instruction here. Let me just read a little bit out of here. Here's some word to us. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Now, you're on the right side. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to win. He says, trust in the Lord, do good. There it is, right? Faith, actions, dwell in the land, feed on His faithfulness. You're not going to live by the world's things. You're going to live by God. And there's all kinds of times in the Bible when the world was collapsing that God was still taking care of His children. And that's what we're going to see more and more of, I believe, as we race toward the end of the age. He says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now let's go back to Psalm 1 real quick. What did he say there? He says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, in verse 2. And he meditates. And then he says, Whatever he does, in verse 3, will prosper. Very similar language to what we're seeing here. Trust in the Lord to do good, dwell in the land, feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. 
Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. But you're going to have to be focused on the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also on Him. He shall bring it to pass. He sh- I felt that. I tried to say feel and felt all at the same time. That's how, how much I felt it. Now, I want you to hear that. I, I felt that shoot into my spirit. Trust in the Lord. Dwell in the Lamb. Feed on His faithfulness. Delight. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust And He shall bring it to pass. Why don't you close your eyes just for a second here. I want you to think about that thing that you really want to see God do. Maybe it's save somebody. Maybe it's heal somebody. Maybe it's to change a situation. Whatever it is, think about that. Look what a good word we have here. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. I'm thinking of something right now in my spirit. That's why I felt that leap in my spirit. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Wait patiently. We get impatient, don't we? Why? Because we're a microwave drive-through society. What do you mean my Big Mac's not ready? Somebody get the manager up here. I know it would have taken me 25 minutes to do it at home, but you should have had it ready in two and a half minutes. That's our, that's our culture, right? Rest in the Lord, wait patiently with Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Looks like the world's doing okay, don't it? Till court goes in session. When court comes in session, they're not going to be doing too good. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret, it only causes harm. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be worried, it's only going to cause harm. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Evildoers shall be cut off, for though, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. And I'm going to close here, if we can run over to Isaiah real quickly. Isaiah chapter 5. What did I tell you the chapter? I didn't, did I? Where does he talk about as eagle's wings? I... 40, okay, I was thinking it was 50. I'm 10 years ahead of you all. <laughs> all right, let's listen to what he says to us. <clears throat> all flesh is grass, he says. All flesh. I'm not over there, am I? Let's look at verse uh, 29. He gives power to the weak. That's a word from God. You feeling weak? You need some wisdom? You do. Your, your spouse told us you did. <laughs> Guess who's got it? God. He's got the strength. He's got the wisdom. He, said, <laughs> he says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. Those are good words. But they're those people who are pursuing, right? Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, if they don't trust in the Lord. But those who wait on the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know why Joshua was ready to keep fighting at 110 years old? Because he's looking to the Lord. I'm not waiting on that day where I do nothing. I know life transitions and seasons come and go. But I'm not waiting on that day where I sit around and do nothing. My wife and I have already talked about this. When we have to slow down someday, we want to go to the orphanages and give those people two or three weeks off. I'm not going to quit doing stuff. There's work to be done. Life's not about me. Not even when I turn 70, life's still not about me. 
It's still about the Lord. And as long as He gives me breath, He's going to be first in my life. I'm not looking for that day when I don't have to do anything. I'm looking for that day when I see the Lord and He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in. Let's stand to our feet. we got plenty of promises in here to us who trust in the Lord. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's your day. Today's the day of salvation. Do not put it off. We can baptize you this morning if you get saved this morning. God has offered all of us who name the name of Christ a way out. Your way out is right here. The Spirit and the Word agree. The Spirit does not work apart from God's Word. Those two agree. They come in agreement. So the Spirit works in my life and your life through the Word of God. And if you think about the advantages we have in these last few generations to have God's Word available to us in just about any form you can find it, it would be a real shame for our generations not to get saturated with God's Word. But it's going to take some time. You may have to turn some device off. You may have to get up a little earlier. You may have to turn that TV off and go in your closet a little earlier and then go to bed instead of going straight from the television to the bed. Whatever it's going to take, you will, you will come to me. If you'll commit to meditating on God's Word, it will do a lot of the work for us that we're looking for other people to do. But if you will do this, you're going to come to me someday and you're going to say, you know what, preacher, it works. I, I promise you, if you'll commit to it. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. We, we would be lost without it. Heaven and earth's going to pass away, you said, but your word's going to stand forever. So God, we just ask that you would give us a hunger and thirst for your word. Let us lay some other things aside to make sure we get that time where we talk to ourselves, where we meditate on your word. That's our weapon, Lord. That's our weapon. That we would take the word. And that's how you overcome Satan. He came to tempt you three times. And all three times you said, It is written. You use the Word to defeat the adversary. Who do we think we are? Thinking we're just going to wake up and walk over Satan. That's not how this works. We're going to defeat him the same way you defeated him. With the Word. It is written. We're going to meditate on your Word, God, day and night. Give us the strength to give you some time throughout our day where we think about who you are, what you've done, and what you're able to do. We think on the blessings that are offered to that man or that woman that is committed to meditating, to talking to themselves about your word. This altar's open. If you're lost or if you need to come pray, if you have sickness, anything going on in your life you need God to move on, slip out of your seat as an act of faith. Come out of your seat and talk to God. He's here waiting on you.